just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Welcome back. May the fourth be with you. May the fourth be with you. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Doing an episode in the middle of the week feels kind of weird, but it kind of needs to happen because, you know, May the 4th. It's Star Wars Day. I agree. It does feel a little weird. We didn't get an episode out for you guys last week because we were going to do this one for you as a May 4th special, but as always, we've got a weekly episode for you. Don't you worry. Fear leads to the dark side, so we're here. Which is kind of why we do it. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Today, uh... Just in honor of George Lucas's brainchild and his franchise, we're just going to talk Star Wars as a whole. No particular topic, agenda, just ideas, feelers. Whatever comes out. And I know my wife and I just finished watching... Well, I hurt my back last night um, fixing the dryer. Oh. Kind of screwed me. So I've been a little humdrum, a little under the weather today, but, you know, it is what it is, so... We uh, threw on the old Phantom Menace today and good stuff. came to an agreement that we might watch all of them, even the, the story ones like Rogue One and Solo and whatever. We might, we might skip the last three sequels, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, but we can time. go ahead and say those aren't, you know, those aren't Star Wars. Anyways, I think a general episode sounds like a great idea. Where do you want to start? Well, I don't know. I just... I was watching The Phantom Menace, and I know I know this is very controversial because I know a lot of people don't like the prequels. I do, and a majority of the people that I'm, you know, co-workers and friends and such do appreciate them. But watching it again was kind of eye-opening because there's a lot of things. Every time I feel like every time I watch a movie, no matter what it is, I always pick up more. Yeah. It's kind of weird how it's it like works. like reading a book. <laughs> right. But I just, I, I really really began to appreciate Qui-Gon. Yeah. For some reason, watching it today, like, I just, I really appreciate his character. How wise he is. How how solemn. How harmonious. Like, he's just serene all the time. Like, nothing gets to him. Right, right. Not, e- even in the middle of his fight with Darth Maul, he's just collected. Right. And most of the Jedi become floundered or they become distracted. Not most, but... A majority of Jedi, when they go into battle, they're swept up by the battle, by right. the battle lust. But it just made me appreciate his character. Just he's just so smart. Like I don't know. Well, he has a very unique personality. Yeah, Liam Neeson being probably the best pick for that character, honestly. <laughs> I tend to agree, but I think I think there's a couple others that could have pulled it off. I think, honestly, if Mace Windu wasn't played by Samuel L. Jackson, I think he could have pulled off uh, Qui-Gon really well. Oh, yeah, for sure. That would have been a good role for him. It would have been. Because Mace Windu also super calm and collected all the time. Oh, yeah. You can see he gets a little kind of tiffy, like some things can get under his skin, but at the end of the day, he's... I'm glad we've got him where we've got him. Yeah, but he's very... He's very. He has a commanding presence. Oh like, yeah. When he's there in the in the in the scenes he's in, like you know, he's just very commanding. He's very powerful. Oh yeah, absolutely. Love his character. See, and I think most people like the prequels. They don't like Jar Jar. 
<laughs> see, that's I agree, but I've also heard a lot of people don't like the prequels because the story was they feel like the story was just so bleh. Yeah, which there's, there's a lot. There's points to that, but also it had to be bleh because the Phantom Menace wasn't about Anakin. It was about finding Anakin, but it was about the beginning of the Clone Wars. It was about the beginning of Palpatine's takeover. It was about the beginning of the Separatist movement. It wasn't all about Anakin. I think people forget that. It was about setting up the era mm-hmm. and setting up Star Wars as a universe. And Anakin just happened to be there. I personally, Phantom Menace is probably my favorite Star Wars movie just because it was it was the one I had access to, you know? You it's, thought it was a standalone. Right. It's what, <laughs> it's what got me into Star Wars. Right. And so... For me, it, it is my favorite, and I can't say that I hated Jar Jar Banks because I was younger when I started watching. But it. he was he was satire. He was supposed to be comedic relief. Well, I was young. I was a kid. I mean, that was kind of who he was geared at, and you can kind of tell the age of the people when the Phantom Menace came out. Anybody under fifteen at that time kind of liked Jar Jar. Yeah. And everybody over the age of 15 was like, what in the world is this waste oh, this of, a, mm, this is waste of dialogue. I feel bad for the actor who played him. Like he put, he did a really good job of acting. He put his heart and soul into that character, but people just shut him down. And I just, I think Darth Jar Jar yeah. theory probably could have saved that character. Nope. We're not getting into that. But anyways, <laughs> no, it's I, not feasible. There's a lot of really cool things about The Phantom Menace. Uh, one, they didn't hold any bars. They didn't They didn't hold back at all with any of their character development. And it's probably the best of the prequels for the storyline moving quickly, but still having the politics in it. Hmm. And for character building, for character arcs, for elegantly told story in my opinion the first the the phantom menace is probably the best of the prequels of the prequels yes does that include uh rogue one and solo no no just the three just the three originals okay i i'm i was more asking i guess prequels as in three films but i was asking in terms of like everything before a new hope i'm just talking about the prequel trilogy The, the yeah the ones that lucas did i i think that is the best of those three and I would say next is probably episode three. Mm-hmm. And then episode two, which <laughs> is hey. probably the movie, in my opinion, where most people get this idea that the prequels aren't that great. See, and contrary to popular belief, and I'll probably surprise some people, I loved Attack of the Clones. It was actually my favorite. Of the three prequels. Really? Until until Revenge of the Sith came out. Revenge of the Sith, in my opinion, trumps all the prequels because the Anakin versus Obi-Wan fight is probably the most cinematically That is an amazing pleasing. fight. The, the, the choreography that Nick Giller did for that fight is still, in my opinion, to this day, one of the best choreographed fights of all action movies. Science fiction and fictional. Oh, absolutely. But... Attack of the Clones, I guess now we can move into episode two. Yeah. Attack of the Clones, <coughs> probably my favorite. 
not just because Django Fett's in it. That's a big part of it, but just isn't that the one where he dies? Unfortunately, that is yes. a huge tick in the right direction for um, that movie. Unfortunately, it that is. That is a huge tick in the right direction. But all that aside, Mandalore dying, notwithstanding, he, d- he dies like a pansy. He doesn't. He does. Actually. He totally does. Dude, he turned and started shooting at Mace Windu. Anyone else would have gone. He away. didn't even land a shot, and he didn't even use any of the Mandalorian weapons. He lost are... one of his blasters. His flamethrower got destroyed by the reek. His jetpack and rocket launcher were destroyed by the reek. So he had one blaster. Oh, so he died because he sucks. He decided to turn around, see Mace Windu charging, holds up his pistol, and went well, Han Solo on What else was he him. supposed to do? Well, according to you, he should have ran away like a pansy. No. He, he had, stood his ground like a Mandalorian. He had a Mandalorian armor. He should have fight. gotten a glancing blow and took a fight to Mace. Well, the problem is Mace Windu used Shatterpoint. I know. So even if he had Beskar, he, that headshot, done. That's the only weak point on Beskar armor. There's actually several weak well, points, but that is the, the, that main, is the kill shot. The mainly exposed one is the neck. That's the kill shot. But I loved Attack of the Clones. I loved the story of... Because it shows more of the Separatists and the CIS and the Confederates, the banking clan, the Techno Union, all the collective collective idealists getting together. And they're like, when they're on Geonosis with Duke, and they're like, we've got your back. The banking clans will fund your, your, your rebellion here. The Techno Union will supply the... Like, they're working together. You see a lot of the politics, the behind-the-scenes stuff that you mm-hmm. don't see in the original trilogy. And more in the Senate. We see more... <coughs> we see more with the Jedi. Like, the Jedi are starting to realize that we might not have complete control. Like, we might not be the protectors we thought we were. And Yoda and Plo Koon and Kiati Mundi and Mace Windu, when they're talking to the Senator in Attack of the Clones, they're like, dude, you got to remember, Palp, like, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Right. Like, the Jedi realize if this war happens, they're they're not going to be able to defend the Republic. Right. And I just, I see a lot of, they did really well at piecing together the 10 years that had passed since, was it, it was about, ten, yeah, 10 years that had passed since the Phantom Menace ended to where Attack of the Clones starts. That was a really big break in the story in the storyline, like the timeline. I wish they There's showed more. Ten training. years blank there, mm-hmm. and they do kind of throw some references in from the time in between, especially between Anakin and Obi Wan. You know, talking about how many times Anakin has saved Obi Wan and the different missions they've been on and right. stuff. Now, in Episode Two, there is a lot of Kind of unnecessary stuff. The see, I know you're gonna go. You're gonna go with the romance, aren't you? Not necessarily because I, I think that's extremely important. It isn't incredibly important. I think it was poorly done. I think it was just the scripting. I don't think it. I don't. I know people are right. gonna blame Hayden Christensen, but I think he did a phenomenal job. He's a his good em, actor. His emotions are on point. I think it was just the scripting that was... He's a really good actor, and he did a really good job with what he was given, but, like... I mean, the Tusken Raider scene scene? was amazing. Yes. Tusken Raider scene, amazing. He did a great job. You can really tell that there's pain that he lost someone he loved, and that he just um, unleashed. The sand scene is the one that gets me, because that one should make so much sense. Sand scene? I hate sand. 
Like that one should make so much sense. He came from a desert planet where there As was sandstorms and total misery. That's why he hated it. Yeah, he was a slave. Makes perfect sense. The scene itself was not put together well. The dialogue, while it makes sense, does seem fairly juvenile. That's what I meant, though. It's the script. It's not the actors and actresses. Right. Because, you know, Natalie Portman, oh, but. <laughs> what about think... Natalie Portman's butt? Nothing. <laughs> um, Giannose's outfit, nothing. Oh. Uh, anyways, yeah, uh, back to the topic at hand. Um, I think the scripting was. I think it was shoddy writing. I wouldn't say it was juvenile. I would just say it 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 lacked a little bit of umph. Like it lacked the zest. There wasn't like. a whole lot of depth. Exactly. And the romance is the weak spot in my mind. Not because we don't need the romance to make the story true. Because we have to portray Anakin. Why Anakin's having attachments? And I think they did a good job at that. They did a good job from a storyteller perspective what, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I think they could have done a better job of picking the dialogue and picking even the scenery but they did a fairly good job it just seems like it misses something like i said i think there's just a little bit of zest that could have been added into the into the scripts a bit or into the scenes but i mean what what more could have been done to show Anakin falling for Padme? For the time the movie was written, early 2000, excuse me, 2002, I mean, that's the end of the, that was, that was the turning point of the century. Right. Like, it's the beginning of a new century. It's the beginning of new CGI. It's the beginning of new actors and actresses coming up. Well, just... Like, computer technology in general i mean you could do a lot more with the same amount of of energy consumption in the computers you could use the cgi to do a lot more puppets are so much better <laughs> i love sometimes the puppets. No, sometimes no puppets are just so classic like episode five and six and even the phantom menace was originally yoda yeah and yaddle were both puppets but then as the Blu-ray and the DVD releases were released 2011, I think. They kept tweaking them. They went back to CGI, and I was like, why would you, like... I don't know. I think the puppets look more realistic, but... And in some ways, they look more mm, mechanical, more rubbery. Animatronic. Right. Yeah. And so you get a lot more natural movement, but with that era being what it was for CGI, absolutely amazing for the time, but still limited. I love that Jango Fett Obi Wan scene, the fight scene. Oh, I loved that fight scene so much. Which fight scene? On Camino. That is a really good fight scene in general. I mean, you get to see Jango basically go Mandalorian rogue on him, just like everything in his arsenal he's using. And Obi Wan's like, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. But you really <laughs> see the you really see the ability of Obi Wan in that fight. You do because he is a Jedi Knight, and he at at this point he's beginning his training in the Sarisu. Well, and he's kind of mixing between Sarisu and Ataru, which is what he was when he was a Padawan under Qui-Gon. Right, but Fett's throwing everything at him. Rocket launchers, flamethrowers, grappling cables, knives, pistols, everything. And, I mean, even shipboard weapons. And was, yeah, he's able to handle it and keep fairly calm while doing so. He actually gets overwhelmed, though, obviously. Well, he does. but It's a Mandalorian point, arsenal. <laughs> right, but at this point, he's, what, 30? 
Yeah. I mean, to be in that kind of combat for the first time, that's like true combat, not just peacekeeping missions. Like, yeah, he's been in battles against droids. Yeah, but it's been, been 10 years since his fight with Darth Maul. Right. So he's probably a little rusty. Well, on the on the hand-to-hand, yes. But also, I mean, the closest he came to an actual battle was Naboo. And he was a kind of supporting role. He didn't actually encounter the full army of the droids. That was the Gungans. He went in and he was taking back the palace when he came across Maul. That's where Sarisu, I think, saved him. Had he not been training in Sarisu against... Very be- Before Django. Yeah, he would have he would have lost. Like I feel like he would have lost pretty quick. Because Ataru, <laughs> though it's a very aggressive and acrobatic form, the Mandalorians are very extremely skilled hand hand combat. Right, they're very acrobatic as well. But here's the other thing: being acrobatic doesn't necessarily get you out of range of a flamethrower. That's what or I mean. Rocket versus Sarisu, he can find that balance of where he needs to be. He can. Stay he can, calm, he can predict, assess the situation. Right. He can predict weaponry, be it kinetic or plasmatic energy. He can predict his enemy's movements because he's basically waiting for them to come to him. He's waiting right. for a counterattack or a dunmach or something. But I I really appreciated Attack of the Clones, especially the Geonosis battle, too. That was another big one. Like There's some really cool scenes in <laughs> They that just movie. did so good. The writing aside, I think. Attack of the Clones is still by far probably one of my favorite prequels. I think Attack of the Clones also shows the greatest weakness of the Jedi in the battle against the CIS. Mm-hmm. Because they literally just bum rush into the center of the defended fortress. They didn't originally. They they spread out. They fanned out. They they made a perimeter. The problem was when the B2 battle droids came oh, in. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the, B, the bad droids. I'm talking about setting all of your... Jedi or a good majority of them inside of the arena. Arena. You clumped a ton of re- human resources yeah, together. That's that is true. It worked. You lost a bunch of them. Yeah. Well, like, they only, they only have... took masters and knights and a couple of padawans. Right, but you only have so many men. You know, ten thousand Jedi knights. And it's ironic that only most if you dropped, members lived. If you dropped what. 500 Jedi Knights on into and around that arena and you lost 90% of those Jedi Knights and Masters. You lost, you know, 450. You are talking a pretty good percentage. Now, it's it's a small percentage, something under 10%, like maybe 5. Sure. But 5% of your fighting force in one battle is not a good way to start the war. No, especially when droids can be Basic, basically made instantaneously on a on a production well, line. Not just that. Even if they're not just instantaneous, you're looking at people who took 20 or 30 years because you're talking masters and knights. These aren't just apprentices, you know. This isn't just everybody. This is the cream of the crop. Yeah. And you lose how many of them? And you like, lost, uh, what, 50% of the top 10%? Well, and then we only see, basically only see the council members and notable masters left. Right. Obviously, right, because they're 40, 50, 60 years of training. Right. All the Padawans and Knights that they took, most of them dead. Right. Like that. Oh, almost instantly. Like I said, as soon as the B2s came out, which were created and intended to overwhelm Jedi basically be walking tanks hyper rapid fire and 
wrist rockets. You're throwing different types of weapons at them. You're throwing weapons that they can block and weapons that they can't necessarily block. And you're throwing... New armor. It's a little more resilient. So deflecting a blaster back at them doesn't necessarily take them off the battlefield. There's a whole lot of reasons that the B-2 were really effective against Jedi. Now, obviously, it would have been way more effective to have a whole bunch of Mandalorians, but... Well, that's... that's uh, Yeah, that's... that's And a story for another time, I but guess. Not everybody <laughs> not everybody has the time to train Mandalorians from well, birth to the grave. Well, not everyone appreciates the Mandalorians at this stage in the Republic, either. Most people don't. They have a really bad name, mainly because they were uh, pillaging and looting their way across the galaxy they up to this the point. They were the Vikings of the Star Wars universe. Basically, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, leading into Episode 3, we kind of start to see that the Jedi, after they acquired the clone army and after they began to basically explore different avenues to exploit the Separatists and the droids, we really start to see the Republic winning in new ways. And I think the beginning of Episode 3, when they're over Coruscant, the Battle over Coruscant, we... At least what I saw was in that throne room where Palpatine was being held captive. I think Obi-Wan really showed how easy it was to defeat droids at this point. Like, they're... No, I'm trying to think. From Geonosis... They'd be about six years into the war. From from Geonosis... So, yeah, about six... about I want to say about six years into the war. We really get to see how simple it is for the Jedi to defeat our, the droids. Yeah. Because they've learned. I mean, Obi, like I was, where I was going with this was Obi-Wan in the throne room when he gets knocked away by um, Count Dooku and he's going up the stairs. There's those three super B2 battle droids there. And he just, he's holding his lightsaber, just cuts them up like it's nothing. Oh, yeah. Versus in episode two, they were struggling to defeat the super battle droids. Like, yep. Struggling. Well, and their tactics had changed greatly. I mean, again, they just dropped a whole bunch of troops in line order on a planet and said march that way till you get to the objective yep by the end of the by the end of the second or by the end of the third episode obviously everybody's dead but before that point you could definitely see a tactical change where they're bringing in the ships they need to the point they need you're kind of battling one-on-one you know ship to ship uh, the fighters are, are making a lot more of an impact because it's not just heavy side, you know. The you're Republic not just, Navy is vastly increased. Well, you're not just battling with uh, broadsides. Mm. You're also sending ships in, and you can see that the CIS had to adapt because they've got vulture droids, they've got all kinds of stuff, and they're kind of building technologies to counter each other. The hyena bombers, too. Right. The... The ARC-175, uh, that was brought out by the Republic to be a response to the light droid fighters, and it was really effective. So what did the what did the CIS do? Well, they produced... Uh, tri-fighters. They produced tri-fighters, which were a lot faster. Super fast, sleek. But they also produced these little, basically floating landmines in the vulture droids that you could just fling at, a, at an enemy, and as long as one clung on they'd usually take it out. So you see a difference in the tactics. And especially in the TV show, you see the Jedi starting to think 
about, okay, well, we've got these walkers that can walk up a cliff face. It's Why arc, would arc we march? By the way, sorry. Our arc 170s. Why would we march across the bridge across that cavern when we could just walk up the cliff face and attack them from below? So I think those walkers <laughs> but, in Geonosis was the first time we saw them attack the clones. And right. Those progressed as well. And then they had turbo tanks. Yep. Like they needed massive you firepower. Not in Attack of the Clones. I thought you did. Mm-mm. They, they, they only came out... Oh, no, those were walkers with beam weapons on top that shot down the the ship course. The Federation ships? Yep. Yeah. I'm talking about the turbo tanks, the big giant tanks with yep. eight wheels. They needed massive weapons, and they needed a way to drop in platoons of clones like that. Right, but they also learned when to um, flank. They learned when to outmaneuver. They learned... Strike forces are more, you know, sometimes strike forces of two squads are more useful than a battalion of clones. Yeah. But I think episode three also does really well is they... See, this is where I feel like the prequels did such a good job. Because George Lucas did such a good job in episode two and in episode three... There are some major plot holes. ...of tying in... Well, there are. That's with any major franchise, though, but... George Lucas did such a good job at tying in Anakin's downfall and the continuation of the politics. Yeah. He did such a good job at maneuvering between both points to keep you focused on Anakin and his relationships and his basically his descent into the dark side and also the power grabs of the politicians, the war, the resources. Like He didn't just focus on one or the other. He tied him in so well. Yeah. I think there's some some formats that would have been a little more effective, but I got to be honest, he did a really good job of tying everything together. I kind of wish episode one was about Qui-Gon and finding Anakin. Mm -hmm. Episode two, in my mind, should have been about Obi-Wan training and then losing Anakin, or Obi-Wan training Anakin. And then it should have been about Anakin in the third movie being lost to the dark side. So it shouldn't have been Anakin's trilogy. It should have been Qui-Gon's movie, Obi-Wan's movie, Anakin's movie. And I think that would have built a way better character arc. I think I kind of agree with you, but I disagree because it is about Anakin. The whole trilogy. actually, All six movies. All six movies are about Anakin. Absolutely. Because if if we didn't see what happened to him in episodes one, two, and three, no one's gonna know why Darth Vader is this daunting menace, why he's got so much malice and contempt for the galaxy. Right, but you can still and for himself. See, you can still see what happened with Anakin if most of the movie is from Obi Wan's perspective. You could still throw in the Anakin Padme I feel like, scenes. I feel like Attack of the Clones. Half of it was Obi Wan. It was about his journey. It was about. His conflictions with the council is about his conflictions with the clone army. It was about his pursuit of Count Dooku and the Separatists. Well, and that's what I mean with the format, because you get three different storylines all tying together. And but I feel like episode one was you all get, about Qui-Gon. But you, you get, like, the council has a storyline, and Obi-Wan has a storyline, and Anakin and Padme have a storyline, and... You've got the dark side storyline and the CIS storyline, and it's too much. But I still feel like Lucas was able to develop each story arc well. 
Even while having five or six arcs, of them. Yes. Even though he had five or six of them, he was still able to maintain focus on each one individually without compromising the whole film. Well, and I'm saying the exact opposite. I think he did a good job of focusing on each of them, but it did compromise the whole film. That's, I wouldn't say that's the exact opposite, but I see what you're trying to say. I'm, I'm, so for me, the first one should have been heavily focused on, and kind of was, Obi or uh, Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. It walks through the, the Naboo thing from Qui-Gon's perspective. Yeah, sure. Obi-Wan's there, but Obi-Wan gets left on the ship and Qui-Gon goes and finds Anakin. Mm-hmm. And takes him back and talks to the... Uh, talks to the council and they test him and he says, I'm going to train him. The whole movie's Qui-Gon till he dies. Then it switches to Obi-Wan. Because obviously Qui-Gon's dead. At that point, stick with Obi-Wan. Don't kill him, obviously. But at the end of episode two, tell the exact same story and the exact, you know, with all of the same things happening, but tell it most heavily focused on Obi-Wan. Tell the romance of Anakin and Padme as a secondary through what Obi-Wan sees. I feel like they shouldn't tell it through what Obi-Wan sees. And as, well, the thing about that is you would see the romance, but it wouldn't be in your face. We need to see it from Anakin's perspective to know why he fell so quickly and easily. Seeing it from Obi-Wan's perspective would just be heresy. He would just see his apprentice falling for the dark side. But, well, you'd have to change feel. the story a little bit. You could still have the main points. But basically what you'd have to do is have them slowly falling for each other, not actually falling in love and getting married and having, you know, just you see Anakin falling. Sure. From Obi-Wan's perspective. And Obi-Wan warns him. And at the end of episode two, you have Obi-Wan move out of the main limelight by, you know, granting Anakin his knight status or, you know, whatever it is that makes him the main character now, that breaking point where he actually is said, you're a knight. I am no longer your master. I am just a master and we are no longer master and apprentice. You are a Jedi knight. They did that in the Clone Wars anime, the Cartoon Network spinoffs. Right. And so if they'd have done that in episode two at the very end, so in the episode one, you have Qui-Gon Jinn dying and then being burned and it passes the torch to Obi-Wan. You could then have Obi-Wan giving Anakin whatever symbolic gift you give your apprentice when they become a Jedi Knight. Cut off their Padawan braid. Cut off their Padawan braid and hand them a different robe or whatever it is. I don't know. You gotta do something. Hmm. But then at that point, episode three can come in and it's fully from Anakin's perspective. Which it pretty much was. But I think it could have been done a little better because... Well, you gotta think it's only a two, two and a half hour movie. Right. But the thing I always wanted was I wanted to see the movie written from Anakin's perspective, and towards the end, you almost feel like you want him to join the dark side. I've always wanted him to join the dark side. Well, yeah, but the movie makes it very clear he's the bad guy. Not really. At the end. Yes and Whereas, no. Attack of the Clones, maybe not so much, because he does No, come episode back. three only. In episode three, 
kind of. I, I, I feel like he's, we see his, we see his arrogance. We see his egocentrism, but we also still see his compassion. We still see we his see loyalty. Stuff. We still see good. It wasn't until after they turned him down for the council that we really see him right. spiral down. But if you'd have done it that way, episode three would have been way better. Because episode three would have come out as a... You would have left the theater going, wait, am I the bad guy? Like... Am I rooting for the big bad? <laughs> I remember when Revenge of the Sith came out, I saw it like three times in theaters with my buddies. <laughs> I think I was in eighth grade. But yeah, yeah, I was in seventh or eighth grade. It's Star Wars is so black and white. Mm. I feel like episode three, the last of the original two trilogies, if they could have left, had people leave the theater going, I actually rooted for vader to become vader i know what vader becomes i know what anakin becomes i've seen four five and six why am i rooting for anakin to be i was rooting for anakin well good or bad i was rooting for anakin Anakin was the thing back in the day dude when we when we were kids right but when you everyone wanted anakin's lightsaber everyone wanted anakin toys everyone wanted anakin comic books everyone played anakin in the video games it's like he was he was the he, real deal. He was awesome, but I I feel like when you left, you were like, he's the bad guy. We know he's the bad guy. Well, we have to know, but it was it was intriguing to see how Lucas was going to tie it in Episode Four, and I think yeah. he did a good job. He did a good job. It could have done he could have done better. General Grievous, I feel like, really could have had some work. That fight between him and Obi Wan was it was cool, but it was I it was thirty seconds, I and he lost his lightsabers. It. I liked it. I don't. Because I... because the way Grievous is supposed to work, if you watch the cartoons, the original, the Cartoon Network cartoon, when he takes on, he takes on Ki-Adi Mundi, Shakti, Aayla Sakura, uh, Bodar maybe, I think another... He takes I think on, so. He takes on five Jedi Masters, council members. Whoops them all. Oh, yeah. He does a really... Why does, is it that when he goes up against Obi Wan, he loses in like thirty seconds? Because it's, like, it's Obi Wan. But 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 Ki Mundi and Aayla Sakura are stronger than Obi Wan. They've, they've not. Been, well, they've been they were they were council members before Obi Wan was. So I know. you can't tell me that with someone with cybernetics like General Grievous, who can read his opponents, wasn't able to defeat Obi Wan again. I'm not, not saying, defeat, but make the fight drag out. I'm not saying it's it's not. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm saying I like the way they portrayed Grievous, and I like oh, I the love way his he died. character portrayal. I don't like the way he died. I, I do. I wish he like if anything, I wish he would have gotten like crushed by a beam or cut in half by a lightsaber, not shot. It was his hubris. That's what killed him. I think it was more stoicism than hubris. More like, oh, pff, you, you're on the edge. You can't do anything now. Like I'm big bad. I can. Well, it was I've defeated you. I, I've beaten you. You're on the edge. You're hanging there. I, I've got control of you and your weapon. I, I win. I still feel like he was stoic. Like, I've killed 100 Jedi. What are you? You're just Obi-Wan. Like, right. But Obi-Wan is the only Jedi who was ever able to give him a true run for his money. It's true. The other thing I really like about that ending is it serves Obi-Wan well. Obi-Wan only ever wins when everything is on the line and it looks like he loses. 
That is, uh, except for the fight between Anakin, but pretty much everything else no, no, that's no. true. Even in that fight. He got he, the high ground. He, he did wasn't get losing. the high ground. He learned. But he was going to lose that fight if he didn't take the high ground. No. He was going to lose that fight if it was a fair fight. He had to find That's a what way. I mean. If he didn't take the high ground, he was going to lose. Right. But, I mean, no matter what, right before he took the high ground. I guess, yeah, I can see your point there, yeah. Right before he took the high ground, they were evenly matched on the playing field. They were both floating on the little shielded doodids. <laughs> the robots, the floating robots. They were on like some kind of a automated forklift at this point. Yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure what that machine was, but it mm. looked cool. But he was backed into a corner. He knew he was outmatched. He knew Anakin was more powerful. Same with Darth Maul. Darth Maul. He knew he was Jango Fett. He kicked him into the. Well, he lost the fight with Jango Fett. I'll, I'll take. I'll give him. Yeah, I'll call it a draw. Jango ran. Well, he had. Django won, but he ran. But the fight with Maul, he won because of Maul's hubris. Maul stopped paying full attention on his enemy to prey on his enemy's fear. That gave Obi-Wan the opening to leap up, grab another lightsaber, and chop him in half. Should have stayed dead at that point, but we won't get into that. (laughs) Maybe we will. Mm. Who knows? (laughs) No holds barred. We've still got episodes four, five, and six to talk about, so. You've got, then you've got his fight with um, General Grievous. He's hanging off the edge. Count Dooku in episode two first. Good point. That's his first loss. That is his first loss, but what never happens. He's never totally backed into a corner. Uh, He kind of was. When? The first time he is absolutely backed into a corner, he has already been destroyed. Against Count Dooku? He lost in the blade lock. He was backed into... His apprentice was down. He's got no other options but to fight and either win or die. Right, but... And Count Dooku was just toying with him so bad. Dooku was toying with him, but... I don't think he was ever in life-threatening danger. He was until Yoda showed up. Or until Anakin got back up on his feet, sorry. I I don't think... I don't think... I don't think Dooku wanted to kill Obi-Wan at all. Dude, he was going to. He had his lightsaber up, and as soon as he came down, Anakin stopped him. I think, but I do agree. I, I think Dooku predicted Anakin would come back. I do. I because think... because Palpatine was telling him like that all of the Clone Wars tease Anakin, make him turn, push Anakin. Well, and the other thing that I think is, I think Dooku wanted Obi Wan truly wanted Obi Wan as an ally. He did. He talked to him. He's like, not, not he's just... like Qui Gon understood me. I need you to understand me. Not just like, hey, maybe there's a shot I can talk sense into you. But, like, I am willing to put my life on the line to try to pull you to my side. Because there's a difference between, hey, you're my prisoner and I want to talk to you about the big bad and I want you to be on my side. And there's a whole nother, a whole nother level to that of being in a, in a sword fight and saying, I'm going to play with you and I am going to not kill you so I can continue to try to get you to my side. Well, I think a lot of that had to do with the respect that Dooku had for Qui-Gon. His, Qui-Gon was Tyrannus' apprentice. Right. And as we all know, Qui-Gon didn't necessarily follow the ideals and the dogmatic views of the Jedi. Qui-Gon he was... He followed the ideals, not the, not the dogmatic views. There's a difference. That's what I mean, though. He, he wasn't devout to the light side. And that's he why Qui-Gon... out to the, the ideals of the Jedi. Of the Force, not the Jedi. Well, the Jedi ideal 
would be balanced. For lack of an argument, he didn't follow the light side as we know. All right, it. he didn't follow the Jedi's in layman's actions. terms. That's what I meant. That's why I said the dogmatic ideals. But Count Dooku admitted, like Qui Gon understood me. Yeah, Qui Gon was a friend of mine, and Obi Wan was like, Qui Gon would never join you, and Dooku's like, Oh, you have a lot to learn. <laughs> Because I firmly believe Qui-Gon, had he still been alive, wouldn't have fallen to the dark side, but he would have left. I don't think he would have joined Dooku. No, he wouldn't have joined Dooku, but he would but have he left. He would have joined the Separatists. Yes. If I, 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 my theory is he would have joined the Separatists because he's like, the Republic isn't, this isn't what we need. Or he would have joined the Independent Systems. Not the Separatists, but the, the neutral Independent Systems led by Mandalore. To a da, maybe. I don't know. He would have joined one of those two sides. He but, would not have followed the Jedi into that conflict. Uh, I guess... I don't know. I, I really wish he would have survived into... Into episode two. I, I know he had to die to make the story make sense, but that would... Like, had he trained Anakin instead of Obi-Wan, Anakin wouldn't have fallen to the dark side. No, he still probably would have. I've seen, I, I have read and, and watched and theorized so many times on this. Qui-Gon would have been able to teach him to be the ultimate weapon that the Jedi weren't allowing him to be. Qui-Gon would have said, if the Force tells you to do this, do it. But don't let it take control. Versus the Council's always like, no, Anakin, bad. You can't do this. You can't do that. And Anakin's like, why? I think he would have been a much more well-rounded character if Qui-Gon had lived. But the more I think about it, the more I think there's no way Anakin doesn't go dark side. <sighs> to, in think, order to make the story make sense, yes, he has to. But I think it would have prolonged the amount of time before he fell. I think it would have too, but I, I don't think it has anything to do with the story. I think it has everything to do with the character's history he was too old he had memories of his family he had memories of slavery he he had dark thoughts he was i mean he had bad in him he was he was gonna go dark side one way or the other even if the jedi had refused to train him and returned him to slavery he would have eventually gone dark side but what does that say about luke then in four five and six always being held back by his aunt and uncle Never get to getting to join the rebellion until basically happenstance, not knowing he's the prodigal son of the chosen one of the force, and then when all these things get revealed to him at once, he's taken aback. Like, why? Why wasn't I told this earlier? I think he's the absolute story opposite of Anakin, where Anakin, all the bad things that happened to him, he blames the galaxy for. And Luke, on the other hand, looks at all the bad things, all the secrets, all the lies, and... He uses them to his advantage. Let's them go. He accepts them rather than blaming the galaxy for it. But he doesn't accept them wholly. No, not really. Because we see in episode four, you know, he doesn't want to be a farmer. He wants to go fight with all his friends, and he's being held back, and Obi-Wan's trying to teach him about this, and he's like, I can't join. And in my mind, I'm like... Always watching those that movie as a kid, I was like, dude, you're being given an opportunity that you wanted to leave Tatooine, to go fight. But he's to go just do a this. kid. He's well, he's older he's, than 
Anakin was. Right, but he's just a kid. He's he's being given the opportunity for what he thinks he wants. And at that age, most people are indecisive. Well, yeah, but he knows he wants to join the rebellion. He knows he wants to go fight. His friend Biggs left for the rebellion, and he's like, I want to go to the academy to be a rebel pilot. Like, that was his want, but he never got it. And I think that's where we see, that's where we see a lot of Anakin in him. Like, well, I want this, and I'm not getting it, so I'm going to be mad. And it's like, well, and that's why, that's why Aunt Beru was like, he's not a farmer, you know, he's got too much of his father in him, and Owen was like, that's what I'm afraid of. Well, and he, Speaking of which, have you seen the Obi-Wan trailer? Yes. You finished Book of Boba Fett, right? I believe so. So you met Luke, they're putting the the stuff together on Yavin. His droids were putting together the temple. Yeah. Okay, and he chooses he chooses Mandalorian. You knew that, right? Right. Okay, then yeah, you're you're caught up. Book of Boba set the bar for me, man, so Obi Wan better be good. I just don't know what to do I about have the Inquisitors. So little faith. I have so little faith at this point. Okay, the steampunky crap. Yeah, I could do without that. No, no, no. Book of Boba Fett was good. I have so little faith because they screwed up three movies hardcore. Yeah, there were some good things. Yeah, as standalone movies, they'd be great. They're not Star Wars movies. Well, we'll see how it ties in three and four for Obi-Wan, but I'm I'm pretty excited. Book of Boba, again, Boba's my boy. That set the bar pretty high. I know a lot of people don't really appreciate the Book of Boba Fett, but I thought it was phenomenal. I like the Book of Boba Fett. I am really worried about the Obi-Wan series because... But it, the Inquisitors, I'm not really a big fan of that. I don't know. I kind of like them, kind of don't. Kind of here, here nor there. Book of Boba Fett is about a character we know in a storyline we don't know. Obi-Wan... Yeah, there's blank spots in Obi-Wan's life that we don't know much about, but we see him from adolescence all the way up to death. Yeah. I mean, 17, 18 years old all the way up to death. You're not rewriting a story. You're just retelling the story that we've already seen. We haven't seen that part. We don't know what happens to Luke as a kid. That's where I think it's going to come in come in clutch at this point for lack of a better term because we don't know I think it will be a good story I think it'll be interesting I think it would be better if I have my reservations though I really do I just I want something new give me something old republic Darth Bane you can write you can easily write three movies off the Darth Bane trilogy Nice Old Republic. You could easily write three movies or a TV show off of Revan. I don't, I don't care if it's something brand new. You you can give me. I do because the High Republic was a joke. You can give me something brand new. High Republic, I'll take it. Called trash. Don't care. I'll take it. It's brand new. Give me something creative. Do not give me another pandering to the fans. Do not give me another. Leia, Han, and Luke get back together and see each other. And That's oh. the problem because look at we have an Obi Wan series. Book of we needed Book of Boba Fett. That was a need. I will say that much. No, it's amazing. No, we needed it because there's 20 books. I can point to five of them on my shelf that say Boba lived. Yes, we uh, needed to show what happens after. You could show it later. It didn't need to happen t- when it did. I well, it did for me. It because, did for the franchise because. 
You just wanted that one first. I know because because we need You're more boba, boba in our life. You're a boba ho. I am a boba ho. You're damn right. I'd be his Gamorrean guard any day. Uh, I'm sure you would. I'm sure those you'd poor be his guys. Tulek. I saw this. Um, oh no, not quite. <laughs> I'm not that desperate. Um, <laughs> but the, I I saw this meme the other day. Sorry, I'll, it was it was Boba Fett on Endor dressed like like it had Boba Tamora Morrison's face, and he was dressed like Luke hovering on the tree looking at the ghosts, and the two ghosts were the Gamorrean guards. Oh, good <laughs> lord! It was funny as heck. Oh. No, I have to show you because you will you'll appreciate it if I can find it. But continue. Your we thought. need, we need new creative insight. <laughs> <Right> there. <laughs> we need new two. We need new creative insight. We need a story that has never been told before, and give it to Favreau. I can't because I just or Filioni yes. or okay. They're doing an amazing job. But that's the problem with them is that they're giving they're giving us a Thrawn Ahsoka series, which I'm not even gonna waste my time on. Then they're giving us this Obi Wan series, which yeah, I could see fandom catering. The Boba Fett series, fandom catering, straight up pandering. But Mandalorian, out of the blue, that I like that. You could have kicked Ahsoka out of it, but keeping it pandering. It was right, but that's my point. If you just had Jin and you just had the Mandalorians and you just had. Moff Gideon, amazing freaking story. But it's it's not a Jedi story. That's exactly. It's exactly. everyday people. Yep. But I think we need either a Jedi or a Sith story from out of the Star Wars universe as it stands in canon. Out of canon, just <laughs> out of canon. Out of the universe canon. Yeah. Out, out of the original movies, the prequel, the sequel, and the TV shows, and then the freelance standing movies. Go back 5,000 years and give a story about golden a Jedi era of the Sith. fighting a Sith. Oh my God. A golden era of the Sith, like a Naga Sadao. Oh my gosh, dude. There's just countless Again, ideas. it doesn't even have to be something that exists. Totally make something up. I don't care. Just give us something that isn't pandering. I am so tired of throw Luke in here, toss him a bone. <laughs> Let Leia We did use... need to see Luke. We needed to see Luke at his prime. That was a need. After There's Disney butchered him. It. There was a better way to do it. End of Mandalorian the, season two. And was it better. would have been in the sequel trilogy. Is seeing Luke at his prime. But we didn't get that, so they had to find a way to remedy that. We still could. I've talked about this before. Luke wakes up, it's all a dream, uh, yes. boom, you wiped out the three <laughs> movies in a 30-second release. I think they're doing it in a better way. But anyways... Wiping I, out the movies is the best way. I really appreciate the original trilogy because it's just so simplistic. It's so ideologically simplistic. So 70s. Not just, well, it's 70s and 80s, 80, 81 and 83 are when the other ones came out. But Return of the Jedi, my absolute favorite. Not just because Luke has a green lightsaber, but he comes back redeemed. He lost against Vader. He's lost countless friends in the Rebellion. He's ready to come back, kick butt, and take names. And he does a damn good job at that. Job at that. Yeah. And I love the story of 
he's willing to sacrifice everything just to save his father and yep. to defeat the emperor. Well, and he, you can actually see in the timeline of the original series and the original trilogy, you can see the point where he actually lets go of his attachments. Everything. I am willing to let go of my family, of my friends. Except he's not willing to let go of his father. To save or to win. Saving Anakin is, is winning. Is his prior that's his he, he's not willing to let go of that attachment. But that's what helped him win. But he knows that he knows that he can't beat the Emperor and he can't beat Vader. Well he did beat Vader. Well he can't like beat the Emperor and Vader. I think he beat Vader because the only way he was able to basically instill the sense of redemption in Anakin was to beat him. I think that was the opening for the redemption, yes. That's the only way he could have. If the Emperor had stood up in that fight, Anakin would have died. Well, Palpatine would have just fried them both with lightning. Right. (laughs) He's like, I'll find a new apprentice. Enter Starkiller. (laughs) But no matter how else that goes... If Palpatine joins the fight, Luke dies, period. Anakin probably dies. If Pal- if he attacks Palpatine and Vader defends Palpatine, Luke dies. Mm. The only way Luke wins is redeeming his father so that he can be with Anakin against Palpatine. Which eventually, of course, that's is what happens. Because Anakin stood up and after seeing his son get basically basically being fried on the deck of the Death Star. Right. Anakin, we start to see this change. Like, he's like, this is my son. You know, he, he put everything on the line. Obviously, we don't know what's going through Anakin's mind, but my perception of it was Anakin is Darth Vader, if you will, staring at Luke getting fried by Sidious's lightning. In his mind, I always think, like, that's my son. That's my flesh and blood. Sacrificed everything, willing to help save me, the last of my, like, like the fruit of my loins. Well, and he's the only one that believes in Anakin. And Palpatine didn't care about it, Vader. I think up to this point, Vader was convinced Luke would go down the same path he did. He'd turn to the dark side. The two of them would kill Palpatine, and they would rule the galaxy. And it's not until... He sees Luke throw down his weapon and give his life. For his father, essentially. For the rebellion. Just to not turn down the dark side. Just to not go down the dark side. He ended up doing that in book eight, I believe. The the original episode. Right. But Anakin sees a lot of himself in Luke. In my mind, Anakin sees a huge amount of himself in Luke. And when he sees Luke stop and say no i will not join the dark side he goes i think that turned in vader's mind that's what he should have done that that's where that's who i should have been and at that point it's over vader goes i'm done i'm anakin i am not dark side i am light side i'm going to kill that man and he did and he does but it took it took seeing luke it took in seeing pain. the best version of himself, or theoretically what, what could have been his best self, in Luke, to actually turn. 
I think that's part of it. But in episode, I love Empire Strikes Back, episode five, for the reason that we actually see the good guys lose. In all the Star Wars movies, it's the only ones where the good guys lose. Up to that point. Up, well, okay, not counting the sequels. But the Empire wins. Yeah. I wouldn't even, episode four, they lost. Death Star blew up. Episode yeah. three, the good guys. Ah, okay, fine. Bad guys won there ish. But episode five, the rebels are routed. They're scattered across all the galaxy. The Empire is rebuilding a Death Star. Hans and Carbonite. Luke lost his hand. Lost He's in retreat. Hand. I mean, uh, the, 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 the rebels are in disarray. Rebel, the entire rebellion's in, dis, in disarray and in retreat. I mean, yeah, they're pretty well lost at that point. And it's good to see the antagonist actually have a victory. Because, Disney, this is how you make a story interesting. The antagonist has to be scary and win. You can't beat the antagonist in the first film. Can you imagine if Obi-Wan beat beat Anakin or Vader in a fight on episode four? Well, there wouldn't have been a second Not kill him, but just like maybe cut off his leg or his arm and then had to retreat. All right, so here's here's the no truth. one would have been scared of Darth Vader for the rest of the film. Here is the great truth to heroes: your hero is only as good as your villain is bad. I feel yeah, I agree, but I also feel like your hero is only as good as he needs to be for it's his redemption. Superman. He needs to figure out what he's fighting for. It's the Superman paradox. How powerful is Superman? As powerful as, as I need him. need him to be. Yep. So, if you look at that in re- reverse, how po- how powerful is Ray, Luke, or Anakin? Well, Anakin's only as powerful as he allows himself to be. Luke is only as powerful as he allows himself to be. And Ray seems to have this unending pool of power that she can just derive things from well there's the difference who's the big bad for anakin darth vader well in a sense in the first three movies episode one two and three anakin's enemy is the entirety of the cis i think anakin's enemy is himself and 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 himself and himself and the dark side he's afraid of losing all those things he's fighting against himself and he has this gigantic pool of enemies that could beat him at any turn and they do. He turns to the dark side. But he is that amazing hero because he has horrible evils facing him. Why is Luke such a powerful, moving hero? Because he's fighting the literal galaxy. Well, he's also trying to save his father. Well, he's trying to save his father. Until he found who's out evil. it was his father. Right. He's trying to defeat the literal galaxy, the the galactic empire. Yeah. He is trying to defeat the, the grand wizard of the Sith. I mean, he is the big bad. He has almost infinite power. He can shoot lightning from his fingertips. He has a laser sword. He can lift you up with a thought. Hugely powerful. So Luke has to be <clears throat> and loses. powerful. And Luke loses and has to become more powerful and more powerful. And then there's Ray. Yes. Your face is priceless, right? Now. And, and then there's Ray, who has to be powerful. Oh, the enough. disdain I see in your eyes. 
Ray only has to be powerful enough to beat essentially an overgrown toddler with an anger issue. Ray has to be powerful enough just for the sake of being powerful. That's what I feel. Her power levels are only portrayed in what she wants to be in that moment. But how is she powerful? Because she is. By what metric? By Wait, whatever they want her to you're be. You're saying that she's powerful in the movies. By what metric? By her own. Is she a great swordsman? No, what I'm saying Would is... Would she stand for an instant against Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, or... Uh, complete Maul? Complete disservice to Anakin's lightsaber, by the way, to have it in the hands of her. I mean, she flails back and forth. They didn't even do a good job choreographing the fights. Well, it's not just as you have Kylo Ren who's been training under Luke Skywalker in lightsaber combat. Right. Who loses to someone who's never held a lightsaber in her life. Well, but there, you have an enemy. And the enemy looks like a big bad. Mask. Uh, bla- wears black. Does hey, really cool stuff. Can stop blaster bolts in midair. I mean, the, give me a break. Blaster bolts in midair with a thought. He should be way, way overpower her. At everything. He can read people's thoughts. Right. He can he can push into her mind and read her thoughts. He should be able to overpower her in every sense of, the, of, of overpowering her in the first movie. And what's even dumber to me is... She has no training with a lightsaber, and she slices him in the back magically. It's not even that for me. It's, it's that Kylo Ren is a descendant of Anakin and Luke Skywalker. He is by blood well, a Skywalker. No, he, Anakin and Leia. Well, he'd still be an uncle. Luke right, would be his but uncle. Not that is, blood. not by blood. blood not by him. not by literal blood. But he's but, in the, the lineage. But he is in. That's what I mean. He's, he's a, a part Skywalker. of the family. He's Anakin's lineage, right? For sure, the chosen one, right? So you're telling me someone with chosen one blood in you, super powerful. Not only is your grandfather the chosen one. But your mother is a Jedi. Your uncle is a Jedi. The Grand Master. You trained from basically birth as a Jedi. And you're telling me... And then he trained under Snoke, whomever Snoke is. I still don't know. But he apparently trained under this great Sith Lord Snoke. And he can't even beat Rey, who's inherently a Palpatine. That's where she gets her powers. A Palpatine. She's not even a direct descendant of Palpatine. Can, she's a grand. She's two generations later. Can we throw this out there? Um, Anakin is literally a child of the Force. Yes. Palpatine is the only Force wielder in his family. Bingo. He was a random genetic mutation in his family. Plagueis found him by happenstance. Well, Plagueis found him because his he family sought him was out. Rich but yeah, his family was rich, and he uh, needed money. Well, the family was rich enough to hide his force powers from the Jedi. Yeah. Is essentially the only reason he was found by Plagueis. It's just but, baffling to me, though. The loss in that movie is just but you have a great, asinine. You have a huge potential at having a really great villain in... Force Awakens. Well, in all of them. You have a great potential of having a really great villain in Kylo Ren. You ruin it. Had he won in episode that 7, had he been able to knock her back... Or do something. Or had she just had to flee? You didn't even have to have her lose. I'm sorry, but I even, thought Finn was going to be the Jedi when he picked up the lightsaber. I kind of hoped. Me too. But even if you don't have him necessarily lose, if you have Ray flee, you have a, a decent 
villain. You then have Snoke, who you can make into a really, really good villain. Mm-hmm. You killed him. With no pomp or circumstance whatsoever. And then the two of you, one of you with absolutely no training, kill all of his guard. Who are elite Sith guards, by the Absolutely way. the most elite Sith guards you could possibly imagine. And she only trained with Luke for like a matter of weeks. Did she even train with Luke? I mean, realistically... <clears throat> <clears throat> I mean, she trained on the same island he was on, but, yeah, but he kind of refused to train her. And it's just basically like she just taught herself all these things. Like that's not how the Force works. Why did you go to? Why did you go to that island? To that planet? Why did you have to find him? You could have just trained yourself in the first place. It 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 really it struck me as a girl power moment, and there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but it was. It was, I'm powerful because I'm powerful because I'm powerful because I'm a girl. Cinematically amazing That bothers movies. me. I loved the amount of money that Disney put into the CG, into all the weapons, but the story's just... It, it, there's so much that they missed, it's just not even funny. They started off on a misfire. I mean, just the existence of, of Snoke and... The the idea that Han went back to being a smuggler, like his entire arc in four, five, and six was, I was a smuggler. Now he's a family man, but that's what I mean. He, him going back to that smuggler life, showing him as a deadbeat. It's like what the heck? You so ruined. You're, blame, the, you're blaming Kylo falling to the dark side essentially because you ruined of him. the like, yeah you yeah you ruined the the probably the biggest. The biggest character switch, like character arc for redemption arc in Star Wars. Aside from maybe Anakin's redemption arc. It took three movies to get Han from being the scumbag scoundrel nerf herder to being semi, I guess you could say altruistic in episode five. A general. he, He cares... He becomes a general. He cares. He shows his love for Leia. He sacri- and then in episode six, he's willing to sacrifice himself to blow up the Death Star. Exactly. He's willing to sacrifice his ship. He's willing. I mean, he gave his ship to someone else to captain so that he could lead the forces on the planet that he knew needed him to lead. But that's what kills me because then it's like episode seven, he comes in and everyone hates him. Like, well, why? and rightfully so. If he did that, he should be hated. He had the chance of redemption, and he blew it. But it doesn't make sense for his character. Yeah, I know. I'm just... So, then you have Luke, who, through all three movies, four, five, and six, never gave up hope. No, that was that was the idea behind his character. He never gave up hope. That's why we loved him. Episode four, the title, A New Hope. He was the new right. hope. And as soon as he finds out that Anakin's his dad and Darth Vader, he never gives up hope on Darth Vader. Even though everyone else is telling him he, he's gone. Anakin is dead. Your father is dead. He is now Vader. He never gives up hope. Yep. Why would he give up hope over a maybe vision? Come on. That's a joke. Especially as the Grand Master now. And like... next, uh, next, Leia has never wanted really to be trained and then in they the show her beating and magically. Luke, like, well, I'm sorry. Magically, she somehow survives vacuum. Come on. 
I don't really want to get into that one because that's just Ryan Johnson, the director of episode eight. And nobody really even liked Empire Strikes Back when it came out. Um, sorry, number one grossing box office movie and still in the top ten number grossing box and office movies didn't in all it gross of history. More than yours. Anyways. Yep. Yeah, no, no one liked Empire Strikes Back when it came out. You're right, but The quote that gets it for me is when Ryan Johnson said something along the lines of, I just want to... I just want to... Oh, what did he say? No, I can't forget. It's something about basically avoiding people's expectations. Just... He wanted to subvert expectations. That's what it was by coming out with these he new just, characters and new plots. Well, it was just about subverting expectations and giving you something you don't expect. Yeah, that's the problem. Okay, we, we were expecting Luke to be a we, badass. We were expecting Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got, instead, we got a dumpster fire. Instead, instead, you you got rid of our expectations by not making a Star Wars movie. No, you gave us expectations, and the expectations are now to never buy anything from Disney. Ever again, <laughs> but you you subverted expectations. All right, you did. Oh yeah. I now I now expect you to be a shitty director. That is it. Yeah. I mean, I I expected a Star Wars. <laughs> I, I I I think just to wrap things up, I think we ha- we have so much to look forward to. The sequels. I do have friends and and family who appreciate them. Which I appreciate them for what they they show. I don't appreciate the characters. The <coughs> characters are garbage. The stories suck. Cinematically right. and aesthetically pleasing. But even a dumpster fire can give you warmth. Well, you can shine a turd, but it's still a turd. Yeah, but it might be useful. You can use it as fertilizer. Everything way, has a use. Doesn't make it good. There's there is a lot to look forward to, though. I mean, we have the Obi Wan series, which I'm apprehensive. Because Boba set the bar high, but Mandalore set the bar high. I still Mandalorian, especially set the bar. Mandalorian high. set the bar high. Boba Fett raised the bar, which is really impressive considering the sequel trilogy set the bar so low it was almost a tripping hazard in hell. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they're not that good, but we're just thinking they are. And they're just getting up to bare minimum it's, now. It's what we wanted from the beginning. Stories about characters we know and love, not stories oh, about we, random crap. We wanted Except for Mandalorian. Right, that's what I mean. But we I mean, wanted Star Wars. Book of Boba, a classic, iconic character everyone loves. They wanted more of him. He had a really shitty ending. It's cool. But I, as far as video games, I haven't really heard of any video games coming out, but hopefully more... I tried playing Fallen Order. It was on sale on Xbox. I bought it for like five bucks. So slow. The game is so slow. The progression, the fighting style. They tried to go Force Unleashed kind of ART style. I hated it. I don't know what was wrong with it. I tried playing it. I couldn't get into it. Me too. I'm on the fourth. I'm pretty, I'm like five or six hours in. I can't. I think I played a mission and then shut it off for a week and came back and was like, all right, Philip, it's got to get better. This has got to be like the, the, the entry, you know. This is your tutorial. Uh-oh. Just get through the tutorial. And I played like two or three more missions and I set it down and I'm like, okay, this is this is trash. This is a this is a joke. I have a coworker who played it. He's like, oh, it gets better. Just stick through it. I'm like, bro, I... 
I've been sticking through it. It still sucks. I'm four planets in, and I'm still bored. Like, Force Unleashed, what was so cool about it? It was button mashing, yeah. going around. You're Starkiller. Badass storyline. Dude, this is like, you go to a planet, fight I don't know this about guy, button run mashing. Around, I played it guy. on my computer. Well, I just, I'm like, I don't know. So hopefully there are some cool new Star Wars games coming out. I wish they were still doing, what was it, 1313 or whatever, the Boba Fett game. Apprehensive. They discontinued that. They discontinued it, and then they... I think that's a good call. KOTOR 3 is supposed to be coming out. Battlefront 3. I'm worried about that. supposed to be coming out. I really hope they just listen to people and don't do just another Call of Duty knockoff. If anything, it was more Battlefield-esque. Give us... Give us total control. I want to be able to choose my class, my weapon, my sidearm, my grenade, my attachments for each weapon. I want to be able to set up my abilities. I feel like they did a pretty decent job at that in Battlefront In the two. first one. Battlefront 1? Yeah. Yeah. Battlefront 2, they kind of expanded a little bit. They screwed it up by making preset classes. But there were weapon attachments that, yeah. were, that you could upgrade things but maybe I want to be a heavy with a sniper rifle. That's true. I will give you that. Like, you should... Well, not to mention the preset classes. Like, you had to be a female. You had to be certain aliens. Only these classes could look like this. Only this class could have this kind of armor. Let I hated that. Let me customize that. my skin fully. It was so strict. Versus the first Battlefront 2015 was like, you can be whatever alien on whatever body on whatever armor, male, female. It I didn't matter. I don't necessarily care if there's a campaign. It'd be cool if there was a short campaign. Well, Battlefront 2 campaign sucked. Right. But there'd be it'd be cool if there was a short campaign of just like pick a pick a group of whatever, whether it's hey, the campaign is about storming the the Jedi Temple or the campaign is about the battle of this planet. Sure. Or it's about following the 501st, like they did in the original Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. Pick something, make a quick campaign, four, maybe five hours of gameplay. Cover a couple of the maps, cover a couple of the worlds, cover the, the, the story. I want single player, multiplayer, and online play. Like instant action, online. But I want it set up as the instant action in Battlefront 2, the original one. Yeah, it's where you could pick maps, different, whatever era you wanted. Like, it was just... And I want 35 or 40 planets in that web that I can attack most of the other planets from and have to conquer the galaxy and make it rigorous and slow and miserable and and, and make the AI decent. (gasps) That is it. Your wish list is I am astounding. Tired. I am tired of going to play the original Battlefront 2 and just wiping the floor and winning in six moves. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm hoping there's more coming for video games. Books and comic books, keep it coming. Dark Horse, Marvel, you guys are killing it with Star Wars books. Stop selling us propaganda, please. Well, that's more of the social justice aspect of things. But that's the political culture we live in. We won't get into that. We just, we want Star Wars. I'm apolitical. I do not care. That means leave me alone. I don't care. Just give me Star Wars. Yes. But I think we can maybe wrap it up from there. You got any other thoughts? Oh, I always have more thoughts and more things to spew. So do I. But, I mean, we can't have a, we could have a two-hour episode, but. 
you know. I think we can call it good there. Okay, good. Do another episode this weekend. And... Yeah. Well, as always, Discord server's up. It's running. I tested the links. We got a couple more people that joined. Please join us. Don't be scared. Don't be apprehensive. We're just... We're just two guys who love Star Wars and science fiction and fantasy, man. Just come into the Discord, say hi, you know, we'll have a good time. Email, as always, hiveascummyvillains at gmail.com. Hit us up and uh, keep it real. Absolutely. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you.